0: Remember what you said, you'll return that I might live in my father's house.
1: It is stable. It can be trusted. It can be relied upon. Listen, it's been tested. It's been proved. It's certainly irrelevant. You know, Don't you wish that more people would just actually check out the validity of God's Word uh, by experience, you know, rather than just blowing it off as, you know, some writings that are irrelevant, not for today. But don't you wish that people would just check it out for themselves, take a real honest look at the Word of uh,
0: God? There aren't many things that can be described that way. Steady, consistent, relevant, and life-changing. God's Word is all of those things and more. Most of us hold the Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution in high regard, but these documents, which helped establish one of the most powerful nations in history, are predated and easily overshadowed by the Word of God. In today's message, Pastor Mike will remind us of the power of this book and the way it brings light to a dying world. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Second Peter chapter 1, As he begins his message, A Shining Light.
1: That's exactly what God's Word is, a shining light, shining in the midst of darkness. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and read that text description, and, scripture and then we'll ask God's blessing on our time together as we study the Word. So 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. And so we have the prophetic Word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of God, but rather by holy men of God, who spoke as they were moved uh, by the Holy Spirit. Let's begin in that word of prayer. Father, we pray now that you bless our time together. God, as we treat this text, God, open it up to us. Lord, I pray that we would gain a greater appreciation, Lord, of uh, your word. Uh, Your word that's been given to us. And Lord, uh, may we value it. Uh, May we place a high premium upon it. Lord, I pray that this would serve to just kind of set a new tone uh, for us in our desire to want to uh, study your word, to know you a little bit better. So Lord, bless now. God as always would ask that my words would be your words. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, the title is A Shining Light. Now, I want to begin by sharing an observation with you from chapter uh, 1. Interestingly enough, Peter begins the first chapter of his epistle with the thought of faith. Go back to verse 1, chapter 1, and notice here he refers to our precious uh, faith. So that's the way he begins chapter 1. But here, at the conclusion, at the close of chapter 1, he gives attention, notice, to fact. Verse 19, we are told we have a sure, confirmed word of prophecy. Now, some people think that faith and fact are opposites, are mutually exclusive of one another, but that's not true. You see, the Christian faith is established upon the solid foundation of reality. The sure word of prophecy, that's the way that Peter refers to it, he's speaking of here, is the word of God for man. That is the Bible. You see, it's sure because it is firm. It is stable. It can be trusted. It can be relied upon. Listen, it's been tested. It's been proved. It's certainly irrelevant. You know, don't you wish that more people would just actually check out the validity of God's word? Uh, by experience, you know, rather than just blowing it off as you know some writings that are irrelevant, not for today. But don't you wish that people would just check it out for them themselves? Take a real honest look at the word of uh, God. Well, anyway, it is God's revelation of truth, put into permanent form, that all may know the eternal plan of God for the ages. Now let me ask you a hypothetical question. Suppose it was announced by the media, by the press, that on a certain day, an hour, God was going to speak to us from heaven. Could you imagine? Everything would stop dead in their tracks, and uh, we would—none of us would want to miss the exceptional opportunity to hear the voice and the message of a God. But let it be. Let me remind you that God has already spoken to man. In fact, there's nothing more to say to man that's what has already been said. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. From the book of Hebrews, in chapter 1, in verses 1 and 2, there we are told that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, but has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he has made all the worlds. You see, his last message, God the Father's last message, is all about Jesus. So, anyway, if you want to discover what the true meaning of life is all about, if you want to experience and receive that abundant life that Jesus came and promised us that he would uh, offer us, we need to look to him we need to look to Jesus. Indeed, the Bible is a more sure word of prophecy. And it will continue to stand after everything else crumbles. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 40, in verse 8, there we are told, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand or abide forever. Now notice, let's go back to our text. Peter goes on here in verse 19, And he says, "Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. Again, he's referring to the word of God. In other words, we need to use the word of God. We need to seek the application of the word of God. You see, the Bible is not just some ornament, you know, the family Bible that we place on our mantle, uh, over our fireplace in our uh, living rooms. Uh, It's more than that. It's not just an ornament. You know, isn't it amazing that the Bible is considered the world's best uh, seller? But let me ask you this question. How widely is it actually uh, read? You know, I remember years ago, a Gallup poll was taken, and a group of people were surveyed, and the question that was put to them was, name the first four books of the New Testament. And only one out of the four... Were able uh, to mention uh, what those uh, books of the Bible uh, were, and then also uh, only half uh, weren't able to name any of them at all. So think about this, and, and this is you know just goes to show you how that we neglect the Word of uh, God. We have the four Gospels uh, within contain the story of our servant, uh, our Savior's birth, his life his words, his teachings, his works, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his promised return, but again, all of which goes neglected. It's not read. No wonder our world that we live in today is in such bad shape. So Peter warns us here in this section of his epistle, take heed. Hey, listen, we live in a time that is blanketed with darkness, confusion, Distress and God's word—that light that shines in darkness—is needed today more than ever before. So don't get swallowed up by the burdens and the cares of this world, all of the attractions, the fancies, and all of the problems of our present day. Don't allow yourself to become a bewildered. Just seek and turn to the Word of God in the 119th Psalm—a very familiar text to many of you, I'm sure. In the 105th verse, there we are told, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my uh, path. Let me ask you another question. Where would we be? I want you to think about this. Where would we be right now? Where would we have gone? How would we have known which way to turn if it wasn't for the direction and the counsel of God's word? But then on the other hand, where might some of us have been today in a better place? had we faithfully searched and obeyed the scriptures rather than following the way of the flesh. You know, all of the wrong choices that we've made. Uh, That failure, the result of why, was because we failed to see God in his word, seeking God's uh, counsel. So, how important it is for us to spend time pouring over the word of God, the pages of God's word. Let me give you another cross-reference in the book of Job. Job tells us in the 23rd chapter in verse 12, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You see, Job realized the importance of studying God's word, but more than even studying it, applying God's word. It's there we receive comfort. It's there that we seek, uh, we receive guidance. It's there that we receive inspiration. And by the way, this is also the way that we show that our love for God. You know, the time that we really put into studying the word of God. Uh, It's just one of the ways that we spend time with God. And isn't it true? The people that you love the most, you want to spend the most time with. And so as we go to the word, it just reveals our, our true love for God. Now also notice, let's go back to our text in verse 19, the sure word of prophecy is to be used as the Believer's Guide back guidebook until Jesus comes back for us. Notice what it says. Until the day dawn and the day star arises in our hearts. So right up until the time that Jesus comes back for his church, we need to be in the Word. Until that day comes, the unsaved will continue to grope about in the darkness of a confused age, but this should never be true of the children of God. Why? Because we have the sure word of God that cannot and will not fail us or mislead us. Now, verses 20 and 21, let's go back to our text. Let's read it one more time. Knowing this first that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but rather by holy men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So what are we told here? Well, we're told the Spirit and holy men of God were the agents used by him to give us the written word. You see, the Spirit impelled and directed the writers. He used their personalities, their environment, uh, their backgrounds, and education to record the truth. Like, for example, consider Luke, the, the physician in his gospel. And uh, not only did he write the gospel according to Luke, but he, he, he also wrote the, the book of uh, Acts. And such is the case as being a, a physician. He was very meticulous in the recording of the life and the teachings of uh, Christ in a very detailed uh, way, in a different kind of a way than the other writers of the gospels and the other books of the Bible. Now, one thing is certain. If the Holy Spirit guided and directed these holy men to write the scriptures, now think about this, you can be sure it is impossible for anyone, anyone to try to interpret or understand them apart from the influence of the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, here's a great cross-reference for you. For it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. So we need to make our appeal to the Holy Spirit who opens up God's Word to us, who imparts revelation to us, at least in part, that's a part of His ministry. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 29, in verse 13, there we are told, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Now, this also would include unbelievers. I mean, at one time or another, we were all unbelievers. Uh, we were, th- we were without uh, our, our walk with the, the Lord. We were without uh, salvation. So this truth actually includes uh, unbelievers as well who are sincerely searching Uh, for God, having a desire to find salvation, who desire to want to know the truth. And so Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 applies to believers and unbelievers alike. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. But the Spirit of God will illuminate your heart and your mind. Let me give you another cross reference for this. In John's gospel in chapter 14, In verse 26, and I want you to think about this. As we open up God's Word on a regular daily basis, right? and we're reading those words there in in each chapter, the Holy Spirit just comes in and, and opens them up to us, and there's something supernatural about that. It's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. But anyway, in John's Gospel in chapter 14 and verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said unto you. Now, one final thought before we close out this evening's message. How can we get the most out of this blessed uh, book? Well, think about this. If the Spirit elected to work through holy men to reveal the Word, what kind of individuals must we be if we are to understand the message and the meaning of the Scriptures. And so we need to be very careful the way that we live our our lives. I mean, does it make sense that spirit-filled saints should write the Word of God while carnal, worldly, defeated Christians are left to read it? I don't think so. Listen, thus we need to surrender our entire selves to God. And and again, that's the answer to that uh, question. How can we get the most out of this blessed book? By just totally surrendering ourselves to God. So, let me ask you this question. Are you in a position spiritually to receive the treasures that God has for you in this book? Well, if not, at this very moment, listen. Just simply surrender yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Christ. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2 now. So Peter here in this section of his epistle is serving up a warning concerning destructive doctrines that have a way of making them their way into the church. And we're going to talk about that whole process of this evening and how to safeguard ourselves against it. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not." Let's back up a little bit. Let's go to the final verse of chapter 1 in Peter's epistle. And notice Peter, closing out chapter 1, deals with the subject of the true prophets of God. Let's read verse 21, that final verse of chapter 1. For the prophecy, God's word, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved, by the Holy Ghost. Now here, in the beginning of chapter 2, notice Peter now turns our attention to the false prophets, who were causing so many problems within the early church. So in these two verses of scripture, what we have is two pictures in contrast. And, and you know, First Peter and Second Peter, as i mentioned before, are known as general epistles. That is, They weren't written to one particular church, like many of the Pauline epistles. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. We have the book of Ephesians, like for example. But these general epistles were sent off to a church. They were read by the elders to their congregation, and then they were passed along to another church, where the elders of that church would read it to their members of their congregations. But you know what, you put these general epistles, like 1 Peter and 2 Peter, alongside of one another, and you kind of get a a sense of the state of affairs within the church. And listen, it wasn't really uh, good. And you can't help but wonder how the church, with such a wonderful and miraculous beginning, could have fallen into such a state of error so uh, soon. Well, I, I guess I'm really not surprised, to be honest with you, because we know that there is a mighty deceiver, who is sowing the seeds of unbelief and worldliness. I'm talking about the devil. And Peter refers to the devil in his first epistle, and his craftiness, the way he goes out, the way he goes about uh, sowing false uh, doctrine into the church. And he reminds us, and he uses this analogy in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 8, he says, be sober, it's a warning, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, notice your adversary, my adversary, as a roaring lion, and, and, and that's the analogy that we have, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So, again, you can be sure, wherever the truth is being taught, expect the devil to appear with a counterfeit. You know, this reminds me of Paul's farewell address to the elders there at the church of Ephesus. It's recorded for us in the book of Acts in chapter 20. Paul is now on his way to attend the feast of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem. He wanted to seize that opportunity as men, uh, Jewish men from all over the world would come back to that city to celebrate this feast. So he wanted to seize this opportunity to be able to share the gospel uh, with them. But... Paul, as he addresses these Ephesian elders before he continues on to that city, is well aware of Satan's attempts to destroy the truth. And he also knew that the devil works through his agents, these false teachers. So with that said, Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, he says, For I know, after my departure, savage wolves, and this is the way that he describes these false teachers who are used by the devil, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, going back to this roaring, lying analogy, how can we or how must we deal with with the devil's deceptions that is seeking to sow false doctrine into the uh, church. Well, Peter goes on in the next verse there in 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 9 and he tells us there that we need to resist steadfastly in the faith. In my
0: Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house This has been another edition of In My Father's House, the ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining us. The book of 2 Peter teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you beginning that first day, and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org and click on the resource tab. We invite you to visit us, too. Join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit HarvestNYC.org. Or just join us online for worship through the live stream if you can't be with us in person. We'd be honored if you'd join us in any way you are able to. Be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given and we'll use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. Thanks for giving and for being a part of today's listening audience right here on In My Father's House. i